Welcome, Foolish Mortals, to the Halloween episode of Markin' Out. I am your host, your ghost host, on this online listening experience. Our tour begins right here in your mind. <laughs> This is Markin' Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Markin' Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Markin' Out, y'all. Markin' Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Markin' Out, y'all. Spreadin' like this Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Markin' Out, y'all. Markin' Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Markin' Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. My name is Dave, and you could go check out all of the past episodes, MarkingOut.com, and anywhere else that you may subscribe to Marking Out, because if you have not subscribed yet, you should. What are you waiting for? Make sure that you buy the t-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. Make sure that you give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Out. Also, everybody's doing it. Make sure you're doing it too. Get over to Instagram. Give us a follow. Marking out 11. Hey, Brandon. That is right. I am here with Brandon as well. So make sure that you follow Brandon on Instagram and Twitter at BTTG161. Follow myself at DavidPTDPT. And also Chris at Chris Windog. But as I said, Brandon, 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 how are you? I'm doing awesome as always on episode 560 of Marking Out. <laughs> nice, nice. Good save. Good save. How, uh, I'm, I'm really bad at doing? that. Yeah, I'm, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm actually surprised that you keep on giving me opportunities to do this and I keep on <laughs> dropping the ball. Last time you did it, I think. I guess that breaks it up then. But you know? obviously... Uh, you were listening last week. You noticed that Dave was not here. No. Uh, this um, week's episode, Dave might also kind of not be here. <laughs> yeah. And then next week's episode, Dave might not also be here. But Dave is currently here right now. How was your week? Hey, you know, life takes place. Business, business, business is booming. So, I was in Atlanta. I was in Atlanta at the Educational Leadership Conference, and it was amazing. I got to meet a ton of faculty I was representing, and there with NPTE Final Frontier, which is an NPTE re uh, prep course that you can take, which if you're preparing for the physical therapy exam, whether a PT or a PTA, you should definitely check it out. Reach out. I'll help you out. But, yeah, we had a table there. And it was incredible just meeting so many professors, so many faculty coming in and out. And really, really grateful for the opportunity to be there. But Atlanta, can't say I'm going to go back anytime soon. Atlanta, I'm sorry. I mean, you're the home of WCW, I get it. But you're not my home. And I don't know. Atlanta. You didn't enjoy it? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I enjoyed it. But you got to be careful, too. I feel like you gotta be careful which street you're walking down in Atlanta. Did you have any good food or any fun oh, experiences? Yeah. I, had a, I had a ton of good food, you know. Um, I tried not to go to any 
franchises because I have made that mistake in the past. So we went to a few um, a few different places and we had some uh, beef tenderloin. I had some sushi. I had a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I had shrimp and grits. And overall, it was incredible. We ended up going to this this uh, bar, a speakeasy, called the Red Telephone Booth. And that was an experience of its own. Um, it was a legit speakeasy, but the bartender there was incredible. He was lighting drinks on fire and pouring them from cup to cup and it was it was in, it was just such a cool experience i always like to go to those um restaurants slash bars where it's also an environment that's pretty unique too know what i mean yeah mr uh, i remember you being pretty big on jekyll and hyde dude i'm still big on jekyll and hyde <laughs> ain't no reason why anybody should not be big on jekyll and hyde what was the other one? Was it Mars 2000 or... Mars 2020? 2020 or something. I don't yeah, know. or Mars 2021 or 2020. I think, it, I think it would have been Mars 2021. Yeah, I think Mars 2021. Maybe. Wow, they were way off. <laughs> <laughs> let's just, let's just, I mean, you had aliens walking around and they, that restaurant was way off. Oh, no, no. It was 2112. Oh, okay. So we still got time. We still got right. time. Twenty one yeah, twelve. We got a lot of time. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. The restaurant business it could it could still happen. Could still happen. Yeah. But yeah. But I love traveling and going there to represent the company that I love and to just speak out about it. It was it was great. I loved it. You didn't um, like do any extracurriculars though, like any yes, fun? yes. I actually, I love how Brandon knows what I've done, and he needs to cue me into. I don't, I don't <laughs> know what you did. So I went to the world of Coca Cola. See, I just, I knew you were outside of it. I didn't know you went into it. <laughs> I went to the world of Coca Cola, which is really great, uh, a great experience. So it's like you're walking through a commercial for Coca Cola, though. I mean, which you are. You know, you walk into the, they actually have you go into a theater. You sit down for like maybe five minutes. It felt like 15. And they show you like an advertisement pretty much of a bunch of families gathering, people hanging out, people on a beach. And the main concept was all of them are holding a (laughs) Coca-Cola. And it was just like, okay, I just want to sample. But the sampling was really good. You know, I got to have... Um, sample stuff from the Philippines, from Costa Rica, Russia, Spain, Sweden, all over the place. Did you and, happen to have Italy? Oh, I think I did. I Was think it I did. Beverly? Which one? Beverly? I think so. Was that the plum <laughs> one? No, Beverly is, um, like, used as a palate cleanser. Kind of. So it's like bitter. Yeah, I think I did try this. Yeah, there was a lot of bitter drinks there. A lot. At Disney World, they have, at Epcot, they have Club Cool, which now is reopened with new flavors, but. Club Cool? Yeah. It's a Coca-Cola place. You get to taste the flavors around the world. 
No, like, like they had I, Peru, Brazil. Oh, that's cool. I had thumbs Japan. up from India, Country Club from Dominican Republic. I took a picture of the uh, of it. Like my my palette royal from the Philippines. Um, something that was interesting was Bonbon Angeles from Madagascar. Very very sweet. That was actually really interesting. But there were some really bitter drinks that they had on the menu where it was a gross. But yeah, there's apparently a, a new one at Epcot right now that tastes like barbecue. I did have that. I did. Now that you bring it up, I did have a soda that it tasted just like barbecue sauce. Is it that, was weird. Is that the is it China? It could be. It could have been China. It was just weird. Because it really tastes like barbecue sauce. But, Or yeah. no. Maybe it was... No, maybe it was China. I think you're right. I think it was China. Yeah. I think that it was China. They have the the bonbon flavor now at uh, at Disney World, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. I should have taken the fla- the picture of the flavor that was really awful. I forgot. It, but, if it's not, if it wasn't the barbecue one, then it had to have been Beverly. <laughs> it may have because been because that's the one, dude. For years now at Club Cool, people would have like this thing called the Beverly Challenge, where you would just drink it. And you would see people's reactions to it. And it's like, once in a while, you'll have somebody that actually enjoys it. But for the most part, it's like, people are drinking it, they expect soda, sweet, and they drink it, they're like, what the hell just went into my mouth? Yeah, they had really, a few really, really bad ones. Um... I can't I can't think of it on the spot, but there was just a lot of them. There was just one area where every single one of them was awful. It tasted like you opened up a medicine cabinet and just started to pick and choose your battle. It was awful. Like one tasted like Dynatap. One tasted like Robitussin. It was awful. So did they have like... It was like a wall of flavors, or they were just like six different flavors that you could try. They were just a lot more than that, or what? Uh, no, they had like a bunch of different. They had different, um, I guess, vending areas with three, like in a circular area, with three centers, uh, three areas where you can fill them up, just like you would at a, at a. Uh, a fast food venue or whatever. Is it separated by country? No, they or they, continent. They, no, they were all mixed in there. They were all mixed in there, but some of them was just for me. The palate cleanser was the tea, like fused tea, um, and stuff like that. Uh, and Gold Peak, because I are you love... sure it's not separated by continent? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't notice <laughs> if it because I pulled up a picture of it and there's like. There's like North America. It could be. I didn't. I didn't really. There's Latin America. It could be. Europe could be continent style. But yeah, how about you? How about you? Well, I obviously did some more grilling this week. I had to. 
Made some burgers. Those were good. But I also did some actual cooking. And I made enchilada sauce from scratch again. Which turned out to be pretty good. And I knew I was going to make some sort of enchilada casserole. So I boiled chicken. But I put a bunch of spices into that chicken. Into the water. Because I figured maybe I would just turn it into some sort of soup. And see if it like maybe turns out good. And I ended up turning it into like a tortilla soup-esque broth. And I had like, I had corn, beans, tomatoes in there. And it was like one of the best things I've ever made. I think it was so good. Very cool. Very cool. And then I made the the chicken enchilada casserole and that was good. But Mm -hmm. other than that, I forgot to mention that I purchased new disney shirts from kohl's the other week and they were missing one of them when it arrived so i contacted them about that but also one of the shirts that arrived was in a color that was not listed on the site huh and that i'm still i'm so like confused as to how that happened it's not listed anywhere it's just like one color it's supposed to be gray it showed up in navy blue Oh, okay. So I contacted them about that and the missing t-shirt, and they sent me both of them back out, and and I'm waiting for the, the shirts to arrive, and I'm like, there's no way. If it arrived the first time in navy blue, there's no way it's showing up in gray. And the shirt showed up, and sure enough, it was gray. Huh. So I don't know where this mysterious t-shirt came from. And Very I'm like so confused about it, but really that's, that's all my, that's what I did this week. Very cool. Very cool. Well, that's what we all did collectively and enough of that. Let's get on to it and talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro, which kicked off with Biggie. He was putting over the city that they were in. He put over a few other people. And it seemed like he was about to ask who's next for the WWE Championship. And out comes Seth Rollins. He wants a title shot. Big E brought up how he lost to Edge. And Seth Rollins said he still should get the shot. He earned it on SmackDown. He didn't get a shot against Roman Reigns. And then Rey Mysterio came out and said he also deserves a title shot. Rey ran down his resume. He's willing to do whatever it takes, which then brings out Finn Balor, who also ran down his resume. Kevin Owens came out, did the same thing, including his wins in Houston against Seth Rollins. And then Seth attacked Kevin Owens and went after everyone, which he escaped from before they could all hit him. And then Sonya Deville came out, made a fatal four-way ladder match to see who will face Big E next as the main event. After that, the Dirty Dogs picked up the victory over the Street Profits and the Alpha Academy to become the number one contenders for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Decent match, maybe a bit all over the place, but I was really happy to see Montez Ford and Chad Gable start this match. I uh, am a big fan of when they do stuff like that. Even with Ziggler in this match, it would be cool to see them in a triple threat. Alpha Academy did some double team move. 
And then Montez Ford broke it up with a frog splash. But then Amos made his way out. Montez Ford jumped onto him, got caught, and tossed. And then he also hit Angelo Dawkins leading to the Dirty Dogs to hit a double-team move and then pick up the victory there. Perhaps a bit unexpected. But now that that, that gave them a title shot uh, against RK-Bro later on in the night. After this, we had the Royal Coronation Ceremony where Selena Vega hyped herself up with the other women watching in the back. Dewdrop came out for her match. Uh, as far as the segment, I like that Zelina Vega's using an accent. <laughs> Shades of King Booker. I know uh, that was a hot topic on the interwebs this week that uh, a lot of half people seemed not to like it, half people seemed to like it. But Zelina Vega went on to defeat Dewdrop. She removed the turnbuckle pad to distract the referee, and she used her scepter on Dewdrop to pick up that victory. Not a fan of this match, but I'm glad Zelina Vega won. Knowing WWE, I was worried that she was going to lose, so, I mean, even though the way it was won, at least she still has that victory. After that, Becky Lynch came out and she listed off some names um, that the people want to see her beat. Bianca Belair came out, brought up how Becky didn't pin her at Crown Jewel, and that Becky cheated to win, which she did not cheat. Clearly, uh, clear, followed the rules. There's no DQs, no rope breaks or whatever. Grab the rope for some leverage. Then Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, uh, Bianca said that Becky Lynch is nothing without the, the title. I thought it was a good promo. She wants a title shot on Monday Night Raw. And Becky Lynch told her to get to back, get to the back of the line. Bianca Belair attacked her. Becky Lynch used the kendo stick, but Bianca Belair caught it and then used it herself. And then she went for the kiss of death. Becky Lynch got out of that, hit a white Russian leg sweep, which I popped for, of course. And then she told Bianca Belair that she's got her match, just not on that episode of Monday Night Raw. And then it was confirmed that it's going to be taking place next week on Raw. After that, Damian Priest picked up the victory over T-Bar via disqualification. Damian Priest doesn't seem like he's the Archer of Infamy anymore. He's got a new theme song. The Not sure how I feel about it yet, but the match itself, kind of quick. I'm happy with what we got. I know we've seen a lot more from them in NXT. But T-Bar ended up throwing a chair at Damian Priest. And Damian Priest snapped. He used the chair. He body slammed the chair onto T-Bar as if he was Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 3 to Andre the Giant. And uh, I don't know. This new Priest seems like it could be good. I thought it was a good segment. After that, Carmella cut a promo on the women of Raw, including Liv Morgan. And then she went on to defeat Liv Morgan. Carmella also has a new theme song, which, again, I don't know why all of a sudden all these new theme songs are coming about, but I like this match. I really like the spot where Liv Morgan went for an elbow in the corner and Carmella got both of her legs up to stomp her to the mat. I also liked the running bulldog 
into the commentary table from Liv Morgan. And then, of course, the, the float-over Melibuster is always great to see. I just wish Liv Morgan picked up that victory. Um, but it's funny when Carmella, I feel like she rarely uses that float-over Melibuster, and everybody on Twitter is like, oh my god, we, we've never seen that before. And it's like, brother, calm down. We have. It's an awesome move. After that, Keith Bearcat Lee picked up the victory over Cedric Alexander. Bearcat also got a new theme song. So that kind of sucks. We, like, loved the Keith Lee NXT theme song. We were really disappointed when he came to Monday Night Raw, and they were like, get rid of his theme. And then we waited a few weeks, maybe a month, month or so, or months, and we got a new Keith Lee theme song, and we were like, oh yeah, this is dope. And then he gets taken off TV or whatever, he was injured, and then comes back with Bearcat, and they're like, boom, new theme. But this match went how I expected it to, just a lot more yelling from Keith Lee with this new gimmick, which I don't mind, I really don't. Um... I just wish he got to keep the theme song. But I understand the the new theme. It makes sense. It's got the Bearcat growls or whatever in it. Austin Theory picked up the victory over Dominic, which took place because Austin Theory wanted a selfie with Rey Mysterio backstage and then asked Dominic to take it, who said he's not a photographer, if I'm not mistaken. And then it was a decent match. These two are two of the youngest on the roster right now. And I hope we continue to see Dominic be built up as well. I don't want this to be like, oh, we're done with Dominic for now. Because I think he's really talented. After that, Veer had a video package, which I definitely wasn't expecting to see a Veer video package. But if they're building him up with this, then maybe he will be huge on Monday Night Raw. And I will be looking forward to that. The million dollar arm, I, that was something I wanted for weeks. They finally did that, and I, I have high hopes for Veer on Monday Night Raw by himself without Jinder and Shanky. After that, RK Bro picked up the victory over the Dirty Dogs to retain the, the Raw Tag Team Championships. I liked the amateur wrestling that started this match off between Dolph Ziggler and Matt Riddle. There was one point where Riddle missed the Pele kick. Ziggler didn't sell that he was hit, probably because he didn't see it happen. It was from behind. But Riddle got right up and hit him with a knee. I thought it was a great recovery. Commentary played it off perfectly. And it was a pretty decent match. Uh, And then the main event, Seth Rollins picked up the victory over Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, and Rey Mysterio in a ladder match to become the number one contender to the WWE Championship. There was a lot of action in this match, and I really, I enjoyed all of it. It started to look like they were going uh, after Rollins, but after Ray hit him, Seth Rollins rolled out, Kevin Owens went after him, and then the other two fought. I liked seeing the little bits of Kevin Owens versus Finn Balor here, because I saw that in a ladder match, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. So I have like memories of that that I that come up when I see them in a ladder match here. 
I liked the 619 into the ladder that Rey Mysterio did to Kevin Owens, which was then followed up by the seated senton with the ladder to the outside. I thought that was pretty cool. Rey Mysterio trying to hit Kevin Owens with the Hurricane Rana only to be powerbombed through the table outside was dope. Kevin Owens ended up through the ladder outside. But I, I really, I thought this match was great. I think it was obvious that Seth Rollins was going to be winning. He had some words with Big E afterwards. He was interviewed and he, he promised to be the next WWE champion. I thought this was a way better season premiere than SmackDown was last week. Which is very surprising. Very bizarre. <laughs> because, I mean, SmackDown, you know, pretty much the A show right now. And Raw has not been so great. But I thought overall Raw was pretty pretty good this week. After that, uh, NXT Halloween Havoc. We saw Toxic Attraction defeat Io Shirai, Zoe Stark, and Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada in a Scareway to Hell match to become the new tag team champions in NXT. I liked this match. I liked when Zoe threw Gigi Dolan off the ladder at one point onto JC Jane. Toxic Attraction. Both of them, singularly, ate power bombs onto ladders. Indy Hartwell pushing Io Shirai off the ladder, that bridging ladder. I thought that was an absolutely insane spot. This match, um, there were some like iffy moments here, but overall, it was a, I thought it was a good match. And we have new tag team champions. After that, we saw Grayson Waller. Talk about how hot the women were backstage in their Halloween costumes. And Joe Gacy cut him off and said Halloween sexualizes everything. And then he focused on his opponent, who was Malik Blade. Joe Gacy obviously picking up that victory there. But they showed some security footage of Harlan walking into the building. And he was dressed like Michael Myers, perhaps. And he showed up during the match. He choked Malik. Gacy talked him down. Malik goes after Joe Gacy, but Gacy nails him with that head, the head spring clothesline. I'm not really sure how Harlan did not cause a disqualification in this. You put your hands on somebody in the match. When you're not in the match, that's a DQ. But after that, we got a Kaylee Ray vignette. She's pissed off because nobody cared that she was the longest reigning women's champion in the modern era she has every right to be pissed off after that we saw Grayson Waller walking backstage through the Halloween party got to see some costumes there Cameron Grimes tried to pick up some ladies and it failed again and then later on Robert Stone who was dressed like Elvis got choke slammed through a table by Zion Quinn Diamond Mine Issued an open challenge, and Odyssey Jones answered that challenge. He wanted to face Roderick Strong. Malcolm Bivens told him that he's not 205 pounds, and Roderick Strong accepted it anyway. And then went on to pick up the victory and defeated Odyssey Jones. Because Julius Creed got involved, Jones went after him, Strong was able to take advantage of that, turns around, boom, eats a knee to the face. Picks up that victory. So it's like sometimes Odyssey Jones is super strong and then sometimes he loses to a knee. Uh, Mandy Rose picked up the victory over Raquel Gonzalez in a Chucky's Choice match. 
which turned out to be a trick or street fight to become the new women's champion. Raquel came out on a motorcycle, kind of reminded me of the new Ember Moon character that we saw. And it was a decent match. I liked when Mandy threw Raquel into the steps when they were set up on their ring apron. Raquel speared Mandy through the table at one point. A mysterious person showing up. Hitting Raquel Gonzalez with a shovel. Mandy Rose takes advantage of that. Hits a knee to pick up that victory. So it's cool that Toxic Attraction, all three of them are champions right now. I think... um, Did I walk into NXT Halloween Havoc thinking that we would see that? No, but I had hope that maybe we could. And now Mandy Rose is finally a champion in WWE. That's awesome. And then after the match, the masked person revealed herself. Obviously, you had to have been living under a rock if you didn't know who it was. It was Dakota Kai making her big return. So I'm happy to see where that leads to. It gets us um, Raquel Gonzalez versus Dakota Kai without a championship involved right now. Throughout the night, we saw Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, along with Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. At first, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams showed up to a spooky house, which I guess was Dexter Loomis's house. They went looking for the North American Championship. And it was basically like a haunted house with like jump scares and stuff. It was a fun segment. Andre Chase was randomly there. I thought that was funny. But Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano watched all of this happen to them the whole time and finally go after them. And they get separated. Trick ends up um, ends up with Dexter Loomis. And then when they finally meet up, Trick ends up slapping Carmelo Hayes because he thought it was somebody else because Carmelo Hayes snuck up on him. And they end up getting the title. Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano were behind them. They take off running. Decent Halloween segment. And uh, I believe they have a tag match next week on NXT. We saw Grayson Waller talking. And then LA Knight finally showed up. They were dressed the exact same way, which I thought was hilarious. And then Waller mentioned that LA Knight uh, had some car trouble. And LA Knight mentioned that he never mentioned that so he questioned as to how Waller knew that LA Knight was supposed to be the host so it seems like Grayson Waller may have sabotaged LA Knight but Solo Sokoa showed up and LA Knight fed Grayson Waller to him so that was an impactful debut for Solo Sokoa Tunza Uso's chance to him and I feel like when you look so much like your brothers it's gonna be very difficult to not bring up the fact that you are also Rikishi's son or the Usos brother or Roman Reigns' cousin but after that we saw Imperium pick up the victory over MSK in a Lumberjack O'Lantern match to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions MSK had a DJ play them out which was interesting we saw Ikamanjiro and Kushida dressed as the Creed brothers. <laughs> Fabian Eichner in this match I thought was dope. Uh, he squatted both members of MSK at the same time. And they tried to fight out of that. But he got them back up. Hit a rolling fireman's carry sent on to both of them. So that was pretty cool. But eventually the Lumberjacks all had moves done onto them. And they brawled and left. 
And I did not expect Imperium to win this match. And I'm certainly not upset with the fact that they're now two-time champions. Uh, I just wish the Grizzled Young Veterans were in this spot. But I'm interested to see where this goes. It should be it should be interesting. After that, Tommaso Ciampa picked up the victory over Braun Breaker to retain the NXT Championship. Earlier in the night, we saw Braun Breaker working out with Chucky watching over him, so it's kind of cool that they they have them in a segment together, even though Chucky was clearly just a doll as opposed to a shoot-moving gimmick like we saw with Rick Steiner on Nitro. But he also said that he bets Braun Breaker cried himself to sleep at night while his daddy told him scary stories about bloodthirsty killers with soulless eyes and a constant need for pain and suffering, which was alluding to himself and the fact that Rick Steiner is his father. And he also said that he hopes that being a loser doesn't run in his family. Also called him a uh, puppy-faced gremlin and the opening package. And as far as the match goes, I thought it was a lot of fun to watch. The fans were super into it. They were split between Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, We saw a Frankensteiner during the match. Ciampa hit a DDT onto the exposed floor, which busted Breaker open. And then he kicks out of the fairytale ending. People, I think, might have really thought that Braun Breaker was walking out of NXT Halloween Havoc as champion. Especially after that kickout. But Champa hits another fairy tale ending to retain the championship. And I'm happy that he retained. Completely would have been fine with Breaker winning. But I, I don't think it was time yet. Now we know that he's a serious contender. It took a lot to keep Braun Breaker down. So I think that built him up pretty big. And it's pretty cool. Over in the UK, they have him facing Champa and Sami Zayn on the, the UK tour coming up for the NXT title. That should be a dope match. We got Walter versus uh, Cesaro too, which is incredible. But that is NXT Halloween Havoc. Moving over to NXT UK, it opens up with Mark Coffey picking up the victory over Rohan Raja. Decent match. Uh, after the match, Tioman and Raja attacked Gallus. I thought maybe something was going to come from that, but nothing did. But after that, Sid Scala announced a three-way tag match between Oliver Carter, Ashton Smith, Jack Stars, Dave Mastiff, and Symbiosis to determine who the number one contenders for the tag team championships will be. After that, Amel picked up the victory over Myla Grace. This is a quicker match. Amel Uh, controlled most of it with the exception of some pins and moves later on. One of those moves being a tiger faint kick. Don't call it a 619 in Europe, I guess. Um, But it was a a 619 basically to Amel when she was sat on the middle rope. And I thought that was pretty cool. But Blair Davenport showed up during this to watch. Maybe caused some distractions. Didn't really cause some distractions, but... I guess maybe we're going to see Blair Davenport versus Amel. After that, Charlie Dempsey picked up the victory over Danny Jones. And I already know that people are sleeping on NXT UK, but which means they're sleeping on Charlie Dempsey, which is just dumb. This dude's fantastic. 
I think if you're not familiar with Charlie Dempsey, go to the network. Make sure you watch the the few matches of NXT UK that he's been on there. It's William Regal's son. He's so good. In this match, we saw him hit two uh, butterfly suplexes, followed by a grounded cross-faced chicken wing where he picked up the victory. And then the main event, we saw Noam Dar defeat Tyler Bate to win the NXT UK Heritage Cup. Totally wasn't expecting this at all. Obviously a really good match. And the first fall came in round three. Dar picked it up after he hit his finisher. Tyler Bate evened it up in round four after hitting a Tyler Driver 97. And in round five, Shaw Samuels distracted the referee while Tyler Bate went for a burning hammer. But Noam Dar was able to rake the eyes, get out of that. Pretty deadly came out in round six and distracted Tyler Bate. Noam Dar tried to take advantage of that, but Tyler Bate kept going until Noam Dar locked him in a knee bar. Lewis Howley had a tug of war with Trent Seven's towel. And when he let go, Trent ends up accidentally tossing the towel in the ring. That's what the referee saw. And he called for the bell and declared Noam Dar a winner. So it's kind of a goofy ending there. I would have preferred for that to not happen. But perhaps this leads to a rematch. I have no idea. But that was NXT UK moving over to SmackDown. Charlotte opened the show hyping herself up. Basically, my interpretation of it saying that she doesn't care about winning a title. I think... But she said that she'll be the person to lead the women's division on SmackDown. Sasha Banks came out and she said she wants a title shot. Flair said she wants a new competitor. And Shotzi Blackheart came out and said that she'll face her. And Charlotte agreed. Then Charlotte went on to defeat Shotzi Blackheart. I'm really happy that we got to see Shotzi in this match. Decent match. But Sasha Banks was ringside instructing... Shotzi Blackheart here and at one point got up on the apron almost got knocked off by Shotzi and that gave Charlotte the advantage it distracted her just enough Charlotte hit the natural selection picked up the victory and then afterwards Shotzi attacked Sasha Sasha Banks and snapped pretty sure they were piping in booze here you could see the crowd clapping here and there But, like, the crowd was super hot for Shotzi here, and then it died when she started to attack Sasha. I don't get that. I don't get why they would turn Shotzi Blackheart heel, or if she's not heel because Sasha Banks was most recently a heel. So, like, in that sense, it doesn't matter. I mean, makes sense either. But after that, Jeff Hardy was interviewed backstage. He wants to run into new friends or make new friends have new opponents challenge for a championship that he's never held before that got cut off by happy Corbin and madcap Moss didn't really lead to anything after that Adam Pierce addressed what Brock Lesnar did last week and he said what happened was something that cannot and will not happen again and not only is Brock Lesnar still suspended he fined him one million dollars after that Caleb Braxton interviewed Paul Heyman about what Brock Lesnar did. And Paul spoke about Roman Reigns, kind of wouldn't answer about Brock Lesnar until he was pushed. And 
Paul said Brock would show up at the office and rip everything apart. And he got super into it and then finally calms himself down and uh, kind of backtracks a little bit and says, I, I haven't spoken to Brock. So I like that segment. I always like when Paul Heyman and Caleb Braxton have stuff together. Hart on the bump this week dressed as <laughs> Paul Heyman was definitely the sight to see. Um, after that, Drew McIntyre issued an open challenge, which was answered by Mustafa Ali. Uh, Ali cut a promo beforehand, basically saying he's better than Drew McIntyre. Decent promo. But as far as the match, did I think Mustafa Ali would win? No. Did he hold his own? I think so. He even moved out of the way of the Claymore at one point. But Mustafa Ali tapped out to the Kimura. And then afterwards, cut a promo on the crowd and said the reason why they boo him is because of his name. I don't like that they're doing that. Not at all. Backstage, we saw New Day have a little segment with Hit Row. It's really bizarre to see them as faces because I thought for sure they'd come up on SmackDown as heels. I said that last week as well. But it leads into Xavier Woods knighting Kofi Kingston, Sir Kofi Kingston. The Usos came out and basically told them to stop. And then Woods sets up the Usos versus New Day, um, which took place later on. But surely this could lead to perhaps a match against the Bloodline at Survivor Series? A three-on-three? Maybe? We saw Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss pick up the victory over Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs in a trick or street fight. Uh, I kind of feel like the fans didn't care about this match uh, for the most part. We saw Reggie chased during this match. Uh, He escaped, but Drew Gulak was there. The Viking Raiders were there and the Creed Brothers randomly there. Not sure how that makes sense, but... That's what took place, but my favorite thing about these matches are the candy corn kendo sticks, which I think is ironic given my anti-shout-out the other week because candy corn's absolutely disgusting, should be thrown out in the garbage. But I liked the spot in this match when uh, Corbin had the candy in his hand, and I think it was Nakamura kicked it out of his hands, the candy went flying into the crowd, so they got some free candy. But... We also saw him get some great heel heat. The fans were chanting that they wanted pumpkins, and Corbin picked one up and got cheered, and then tossed it to the ground and got booed, so I thought that was pretty good. But two people showed up in pumpkin masks, hit Rick Boogs with the kendo stick, and that led to the end of the match, and afterwards they unmasked themselves to reveal that it was Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza. I'm looking forward to seeing more of them on uh, SmackDown. I almost said Twitter for some reason. (laughs) Sonya Deville, after that, was interviewed about Naomi's match against Shayna Baszler. And it got cut off by Sami Zayn, who said it was a mistake that he wasn't on the show. And he wants to be that SmackDown leader. And he wants to talk about Survivor Series. But it got cut off by Naomi's entrance. And then Shayna Baszler picks up the victory over Naomi. Prior to the match, Sonya Deville announced that because of what happened last week with Brock Lesnar, the referee that was supposed to work that match got injured. And she'll be stepping in as the referee. 
this match sucked. Sonya didn't count for Naomi and then did like maybe the fastest three count in WWE history for Shayna Baszler. And then after the match, Shayna Baszler locked Naomi in the Kirifuda clutch. Backstage, she was interviewed and Naomi said if Sonya Deville has the guts to face her one-on-one, she'll get hit with the rear view. I understand that they're doing this super slow build to a potential match between Naomi and Sonya Deville, but that just sucked. Main event of SmackDown saw New Day pick up the victory over the Usos. Thought it was a good match. They definitely had better matches in the past. I wish it was a little bit more exciting, but... Xavier Woods prevented a double Uso splash from taking place. Kofi Kingston got his knees up. And eventually Jimmy Uso thought Kofi Kingston was still legal. And pinned him. But Xavier Woods had tagged himself in. Scooped Jimmy up with a pin from the pin. To get that victory. Uh, Out of this whole episode. I'm surprised Roman Reigns wasn't here. But that was Smackdown. Going to take a quick little break, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. What does a guy call his best friends? His testies besties, of course. Halloween is right around the corner, and you don't want to spook someone with your scary bush. Our friends at Manscaped want to help make your boys downstairs clean and best friends of their own. Manscaped is number one in men's below-the-waist grooming and offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. You might be Chewbacca, Bigfoot, or a hairy bear, but it's what's under the costume that really matters. So let's say, hypothetically, you go to a Halloween party, you meet the, uh, you know, the sexy pumpkin, or the, the sexy gallon of milk, or something like that. You go back, things get hot and heavy, and she uh, gets completely spooked out about what's going on underneath that costume. Don't be that hairy guy. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's one, at manscaped.com. Stay sexy this Halloween. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS, that's two, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for this read. Trick or treat, keep your balls neat. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 560. Head over to manscaped.com, use that code regardless, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Make sure your pumpkin patch is looking super smooth. Use the lawnmower 4.0, manscaped.com, use the code regardless, get yourself 20% off and free shipping. Going to talk about last week's AEW Rampage that took place. Uh, Orange Cassidy picked up the victory over Powerhouse Hobbs to advance in the World Title Eliminator Tournament. The whole match, I would say, was controlled by Will Hobbs until Orange Cassidy had a a little comeback towards the end. Cassidy gets a uh, small package in. Hobbs kicks out of that, takes the match over again until he randomly starts arguing with the referee Hook gets up on the apron to try to tell Powerhouse Hobbs to get back in the match, but 
Orange Cassidy rolled him up to pick up that victory. So, in my opinion, that's 10 minutes wasted just to have Will Hobbs lose that match. I didn't like that finish. Afterwards, we saw Tony Schiavone go to interview Penta. But they had some dudes in the front row wearing the same masks that FTR wore while they won the Tag Team Championship. So, Penta goes over to them rips their masks off, and then get jumped. He gets jumped by FTR, and Pack chase them off. I, I guess this signifies that FTR want the AEW Tag Team titles as well, and I'm fine with that. I still don't know what they're doing with the, the AAA championships. Uh, after that, though, we saw Britt Baker pick up the victory over Anna Jay, where you could definitely tell Anna Jay is still green, but I think she definitely held her own in this match with Britt Baker here. She has not had that many matches. And I would say that this might have been her best match. Jamie Hayter got up on the apron, but that didn't really do anything in the match. Like, Anna Jay took her out, but... I wouldn't say that was a distraction for Anna Jay because she took her out and then continued to wrestle. But Britt Baker eventually used Lockjaw to make her tap out and then used it again after the match. Ty Conti ran down to make the save. I don't know why Rebel and Jamie Hayter did nothing while Ty Conti made that save. They're three versus one and or three versus two and one of them is knocked down so that to me didn't make sense it would have been three on one there but they ran off and then the main event we saw Pac pick up the victory over Andrade which I think it's a shame this was on Rampage I thought it was a really good match there were some dangerous looking spots in this like that DDT over the rope that Andrade did which I popped for um and before that I really liked the um it was like a, I don't know how to describe it, maybe a snapmare thing that Pac did over the rope. I thought that was pretty cool. But Pac hit a uh, an avalanche brain buster and Almas kicked out, which was super cool. And then Pac won with a small cradle. The lights go out immediately. Malachi Black shows up to attack Pac. Spits the mist in his eyes. And then the two of them go to go after Pac. Arn Anderson comes down. He finger guns them. And then Cody showed up. Made the save. Taking both of them out. Completely unbelievable to me. I don't buy the fact that that happened. But that was AEW Rampage. Really good match. Not so good ending. Uh, AEW Dynamite, though, kicked off with Brian Danielson picking up the victory over Dustin Rhodes to advance in the World Title Eliminator Tournament. How Dustin made it into this tournament is beyond me, but this match was so much fun to watch. It's crazy that, unless it took place on a live event or something, I don't think they ever went one-on-one in WWE, which is pretty crazy to me, but... Brian Danielson ends up winning the match with the, the guillotine choke. Tony Nese was randomly shown watching this match in the crowd. So I hope that means maybe he's signed with AEW. We haven't gotten any uh, confirmations, I, I, don't, I don't believe. But Tony Schiavone ends up going to interview Sting after that match. 
And MJF came out, spoke about how Sting's a bad friend, and basically blamed Sting for Lex Luger being in a wheelchair, which I thought was dumb. But Sting attacks him. The pinnacle ran down and took Sting out. And later on, just to uh, go back to that segment, Wardlow asked MJF why he threw Sting, why he threw him at Sting last week. And MJF just like brushed it off and then assigned Sean Spears as his accountability buddy. So I feel like the pinnacle won't be lasting much longer. But the match after that match took place was Ruby Soho picking up the victory over Penelope Ford to advance in the TBS title tournament. The the top five ranked women get buys in that tournament. And thank God this tournament's on TV this time. I thought this match was decent. There were some sloppy spots, but I enjoyed overall. I enjoyed the match. The bunny came out during the match and tossed Penelope Ford, the brass knuckles. And while the referee was kicking them out of the ring, Ruby rolled her up to win. I wish it had a more impactful ending because to me, that was a dud ending. I thought the match was decent, but the ending was, uh, afterwards Penelope Ford and the bunny went to attack Ruby Soho, but red velvet unfortunately showed up to make the save. She's facing uh, the bunny in the title tournament somehow. But next match up, we saw Bobby Fish pick up the victory over Anthony Green. And I was super pumped to watch this match. When Tony Khan announced this match on Twitter, I was so happy to get to see this on Dynamite. And then disappointed that the match wasn't what I was hoping for it to be. I was thinking we'd get like a nice Evolve style match, but instead it was just to showcase Bobby Fish. It wasn't a long match, maybe under two minutes. And I don't even, Anthony Green didn't get many moves in. If at all, any. Bobby Fish continued the attack afterwards and CM Punk made the save, setting up CM Punk versus Bobby Fish. I don't think that needed to happen, but I guess... Storyline wise, it gets face versus heel with CM Punk. After that, though, we saw Tony Schiavone interview Leo Rush about Dante Martin. Leo Rush said that Matt Seidel hasn't taught Dante Martin anything, and he's going to be doing what Matt Seidel said he was going to do. And Leo Rush got them a tag match against the Seidels on Rampage. Dante Martin still kind of hesitant to agree with Leo Rush and say that Matt Seidel didn't help him out at all. So it'll be interesting to see Dante Martin still pretty much acting as a face, but Leo Rush being full heel. We'll see what happens with that. After that, Eddie Kingston pick up the victory over Lance Archer to advance in the world title eliminator tournament. Eddie Kingston attacked Lance Archer during his entrance, and we saw Archer chokeslam some dude off the apron onto Eddie Kingston, which I thought was cool. But as far as the actual match goes, I feel like nothing really happened in it. The The only main thing, unfortunately, was Archer going up for a moonsault. He bumps his head on the way down. Doctor came out to check on him. Archer goes back into the ring. 
to get rolled up and lose. I don't know if Eddie Kingston was supposed to win that match or not. It seemed like a no-brainer to have Lance Archer, but maybe on the fly they called it differently. But while the doctor was checking on Lance Archer, they showed Tony Nese in the crowd again, which I thought was so stupid. Like something serious could have happened to Archer, and they're like, let's cut to Tony Nese taking it all in. But Lance Archer, I don't know if he walked off on his own, Basically, conf- I don't think he confirmed that he's okay, but he he confirmed that he'll be back. So hopefully nothing major is wrong with him. After that, Dan Lambert and the Men of the Year cut a promo. Ethan Page basically said the Inner Circle sucks and went into detail about why they suck, which I thought was a decent promo. There were some things in this whole segment that I don't think should have been said, very much so like last week. But Dan Lambert said that their 10-man tag match will happen if Sammy Guevara puts his TNT championship on the line next week against Ethan Page and then wins. And if he loses, then not only does he lose the title, he has to leave the inner circle for good. The men of the year attack him, but the inner circle come out to chase them off. After that, John Moxley cuts a promo about how he doesn't care about the AEW World Title Eliminator Tournament or the title itself. He cares about his daughter, but why is he in this tournament if he doesn't care? Then he goes on to say that he's going to win the whole tournament. Why would he want to win the tournament if he doesn't care about the tournament or the title? The promo to me made no sense. And it seems like he's going to be going to the finals with Brian Danielson. Backstage, we saw the Dark Order. Adam Page approached them and basically said that the Dark Order was right, doing everything that they were doing for him. And he apologized for for not accepting that. After that, Jungle Boy picked up the victory over Brandon Cutler in a very quick match. Jungle Boy referred to it as a warm-up match and then issued an open challenge to any member of the Elite. He locked the snare trap on Brandon Cutler again when nobody was coming out. And Adam Cole finally comes out to accept the fight. But the Young Bucks show up from behind, super kick him. They end up attacking him, tossing him off the the ramp through a table. Decent spot. Definitely, uh, I don't think anything's going to live up to that Goldberg-Lashley spear off this stage, though, from Crown Jewel. But after that, we saw another Miro promo Lana needs Miro to be champion again is what I'm getting from this and something about Miro's God and he's going to snap necks and be champion. I don't know what champion, I guess TNT champion, but there's like, I don't know. That's confusing. I don't know how he didn't make it into the world title eliminator tournament main event though. Cody Rhodes picked up the victory over Malachi black And to me, that just sucks. Not the actual match. I enjoyed the match. But the fact that it took place in Cody 1, Malachi Black was already two up. During the commercial, Cody hit a crossroads through a table off the the apron. Why that's a commercial spot, I have no clue. But 
Alistair Black, Malachi Black, and Cody were both busted open from around that area of the spot. Arn Anderson was randomly in the ring. Why was Arn Anderson in the ring? And then Andrade made his way out and his assistant got in the ring for a spine buster. So that answers the question as to why match-wise he was in the ring. But storyline-wise, why was Arn Anderson in the ring? No idea. But Malachi Black spit the mist in Arn's face. Pac ran out and attacked Almas on the entrance ramp. I thought this, this segment overall was a mess. Cody ends the match. Tiger Driver 98. See a booze. That was last week's AEW Dynamite. Moving over to this week's AEW Dynamite. CM Punk kicks it off, picking up the victory over Bobby Fish. Decent match. I liked Bobby Fish working CM Punk's knee throughout the whole match. Punk, because of that, even hit a one-legged elbow drop from the top rope. I thought that was pretty good. But Bobby Fish controlled a a good portion of this match, but CM Punk eventually hits the, the GTS with that bum knee. Picks up that victory. Bobby Fish 100% got his shoulder up, so I don't know what's going on there. But CM Punk looked pissed at the referee after that, so maybe that wasn't supposed to be the finish. But there was no doubt in my mind that Bobby Fish was the person losing. Um, But yeah, I, I enjoyed that match. After that, MJF picked up the victory over Bryce Donovan, which was cool to see two creative pro pro guys in the ring at the same time. Even though it was like a 30-second match with MJF obviously going over, but the main focus here was afterwards, MJF cut a promo on the plus-size women of Boston. And then he changed his focus to Darby Allin. Then switched to the AEW Championship, and then Darby's music hit, and there was a, uh, it was just a prank from MJF. Then the lights went out, and a video package played of Darby Allen drop-kicking somebody in an MJF mask, I think at a concert or something. The guy's like, is that MJF? Like, come on. And uh, the lights come back on, Sting attacked them with a baseball bat. Darby Allen showed up as the invisible man in the crowd, takes off his headgear, and it's Darby Allen. He went after Wardlow and, and Sean Spears with a thumbtack skateboard. MJF escaped, and Darby issued an, a, a challenge to MJF at full gear, so that'll be a, a match at full gear, probably. After that, Sammy Guevara picked up the victory over Ethan Page to retain the TNT Championship. I thought the match was okay. I'm not really into this feud. And I feel like Ethan Page lost a ton of steam since leaving Impact Wrestling. But they brawled before the match. In the match, Sammy Guevara hit a really cool shooting star press clothesline to the outside, which I hope makes WW2K22. I don't think it will, but it would be pretty cool if it, if it did. But Ethan Page attacked Sammy Guevara after the match. Um, Sammy had a quick comeback before Scorpio Sky ran down to take him out. The inner circle then all came out and chased the men of the year off. Um, 
But now the inner circle will 100% get their 10-man tag match against America's top team and the men of the year, which will be a street fight. So that will probably be all over the place. I, um, I don't, I would have preferred for it to not be a street fight just because those matches can get like, like their normal eight man, 10 man tags are already messy. So add weapons into it. It's even messier. After that, the Lucha Bros challenged FTR for a match at full gear and Phoenix even said they'll put the AEW championships on the line. And later on, FTR accepted that. So that match will be taking place at full gear for those championships. And I think we could see FTR walk away with those titles. Even though, to me, that kind of sucks. It's not really a lengthy title reign for the Lucha Bros. But if this gets FTR to where FTR should be, then I'm fine with that. After that, Hikaru Shida picked up the victory over Serena Deeb to advance in the TBS title tournament. Fantastic match. I like this more angry side of Hikaru Shida. At one point in the match, we saw her go out to uh, use the, the chair to set up her knee strike. But Serena Deeb moved the chair. And then Hikaru Shida went and used the steps. She jumped off the steps, hit a missile drop kick. Serena Deeb eventually took over the match using a figure four around the ring post, a la Bret Hart. She was wearing pink and black, just like Bret Hart. She went, uh, she also went on in the match later on, used the uh, inverted figure four. But she goes to use the 50th win plaque. Hikaru Shida kicks her and she's like toying whether or not she should use it. She gives it to the referee. And Serena Deeb takes advantage of that. I thought for sure we were maybe about to see Serena Deeb win there. But Hikaru Shida reversed Serena Deeb's pin with a a pin and got her 50th victory. I thought this was one of the best finishes in AEW history. The the how how quickly that flowed from pin to pin I thought was fantastic. But Serena Deeb attacked Hikaru Shida with a chair afterwards and ripped at her knee. So, will Hikaru Shida make the tournament? I don't know. I uh, I do hope she ends up winning. She could be the first ever AEW Women's Champion and TBS Champion holders. After that, Tony Schiavone interviewed Leo Rush and Dante Martin. They announced that Mike Seidel is injured, so that match that they were going to be having on Rampage is now just Dante Martin versus Matt Seidel again. After that, John Moxley picked up the victory over 10 to advance in the World Title Eliminator Tournament, which went on a lot longer than I expected it to, but John Moxley ends up ripping 10's mask Bites his face, busting him open, hitting a bunch of punches, and then a paradigm shift. And as soon as he wins, he left as quick as possible. So Moxley, like I said before, said he doesn't care about this tournament. He's in, he's out. He's making it to the finals. There's no way he's not. After that, we saw Cody come out to a sea of booze again. And said that he hears everyone. 
and actually said he will not be turning. (laughs) And he brings up the fans thinking he's gone Hollywood. In what world? How, How could anybody think Cody's gone Hollywood? What has he done? The Rock made movies. John Cena's making movies. Batista's made movies. In what... Cody had a reality TV show and a competition show. (laughs) That... The fact that he brought that up still blows me away. That makes no sense. But Andrade came out during this, cut a promo on Cody, told him his tattoo is stupid, which I thought was funny. Malachi Black showed up, hits Cody with the mist. Arn Anderson goes after Andrade's translator or whatever he is. And they end up getting the upper hand until Pac ran out to make the ultimate save. After that, the main event, Dark Order, picked up the victory over the Elite. Evil Uno was dressed as a cowboy. Stu Grayson was Kratos, which is the same thing that Tommaso Ciampa wore on NXT Halloween Havoc the night before. Johnny Silver was Bambi and Colt Cabana was Brandon Cutler, which I thought was funny. Then the Elite came out dressed as Ghostbusters. They had a knockoff Ghostbusters theme. But like I said before with the eight-man, ten-man tags, this was one of those matches that just went too far all over the place. Jim Ross at one point blamed the Elite for the referee not calling for a disqualification when Nakazawa got involved in front of the referee. I don't know how that makes any sense. He's like, oh, I'm sure the fans are going to complain about this one. It's not the ref's fault. Yes, it is. The referee should call the disqualification. Matt Jackson at one point knocks the referee out by mistake. Stu ducks a super kick. So the ref ate one. And then ultimately the elite hit a low blow on everybody. They used their proton packs and smashed into the dark order. A little homage to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They powerbombed Cole Cabana onto a pile of the Proton Packs. So it's it's a fun Halloween-esque spot. Um, and then the rest of the Dark Order tried to make the save. The Elite took them out. Their horse, which they attacked, ended up being Brandon Cutler, who was kidnapped. They didn't realize it was him. And the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man unmasks to be Adam Page. I thought that was clear as day that that was going to be Adam Page. I thought this was stupid. Impact did this months ago, this year. I think it's too bad that Hikaru Shida and Serena Deeb did not main event. But that was AEW Dynamite. Going to talk about Ring of Honor news real quickly. It was announced this week that come December, they will cease operations and take the first quarter of 2022 off. I don't know if they're going to be coming back from that. They say they're going to shoot for the second quarter, I guess, springtime. If they don't, I think it'd be nice if WWE was able to purchase their library, given how many people have gone on to go to WWE. But Ring of Honor has so many talented wrestlers on their roster right now. Jonathan Gresham, who obviously I would like to see wrestle 
Brian Danielson. Shane Taylor Promotions have been killing it. Trisha Dora, Brody King, EC3, Danhausen, Bandito, LSG, Roosh, Matt Taven, the Briscoes. The list goes on and on. So, if that is the end of Ring of Honor, then that's sad because we've seen a lot of good matches and there's a lot of history from Ring of Honor. So, hopefully everybody that's working there currently is still able to find work and be spotlighted like they were with Ring of Honor. I just hope it's not the end. But now I'm going to move on to my shout-outs. I am Grover, and you're listening to Brandon's Shoutouts. The first shout-out goes to Jay Black, who unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 82. For me, there's not really a moment in my life that I can remember without the music of Jay and the Americans. Um, Have you? I mean, you're probably a fan somewhat. I guess, like, you know. Not not as much as you, though. Right. Jay Black, for those of you who don't know, he was the second and I think most famous lead singer of the group, Jay and the Americans, and to me, one of the best voices I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Known for songs like Come a Little Bit Closer, This Magic Moment, Caramia, one of classics. my favorite songs. Say all that again? Class- all classics. Yeah, one of my favorite songs is Look at Me, What Do You See, which is like a lesser known Jay and the American song, but uh, his son Bo is also a musician. He composes stuff for Disney Junior, like the music for The Lion Guard. So it was cool when I saw Jay Black one time, his son was there. This was all prior to him signing with Disney and stuff like that, but it was cool to see him perform and then turn into that. But I think Jay Black has sold out Westbury Music Fair more times than any other artist. And that's where I saw him. I saw him there twice, and I wish I got to see him more than that. Mm. But he also, he told some raunchy jokes in his act between songs, and I'll definitely, I'll never forget the two shows that I actually did get to go to. Um, second shout-out's going to Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's back for its 11th season and premiered this past Sunday, and I thought it was one of the best episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm ever. Like, I had actual tears in my eyes from some of the things that happened on it. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're a fan of that show or not. Yeah, I, I'm not re- religiously a fan like you are, but it's a, it really is a great show. Yeah, and if you have HBO Max, you could check it out. If not, uh, well, you probably don't have HBO, but... <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the last shout out I'm going to give it to Lightyear which the teaser trailer came out this week I think it looks pretty good it's the origin story of who the Buzz Lightyear toy is based off of and I don't think people understand that like they keep bringing up Tim Allen mm-hmm. like how is Tim Allen not the voice of this Buzz Lightyear 
And it's like Tim is the toy, Chris Evans is the actual Space Ranger. Ah. Yeah. Interesting way to go about it. Yeah, so it's like a a biography about not even a biography. It's like a it's like a shoot retelling of the character. I don't know how to describe mm-hmm. it better than that. <laughs> But it looks cool to me, and I'll uh, definitely be checking that out when it comes out next year. But those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for Ow. Mark Out Moment of the Week. That is right, our Mark Out Moment of the Week. You got any mark out moments? Um, I marked out for seeing um, the Ted Turner Street or Ted Turner Drive, whatever it was. Seeing Ted Turner's name on a sign in Atlanta, that was different. I was not expecting to see that, but I guess I should have. I mean, Ted Turner really um, pushed Atlanta and helped them out in a ton So and was based in there, so... I should have seen that coming, but I didn't. But yeah, seeing that uh, Ted Turner sign was definitely a mark-out moment for me. What about you? Well, Impact had Bound for Glory on Saturday, and uh, I do have to first put over the fact that the Inspirations, that's uh, the, the former FKA, the Iconics, they won the Impact Tag Team Champions Championships, I mean. Yes, I saw that. That's awesome. Uh, but they had the Bound for Glory Call Your Shot gauntlet match, and the Kiss Demon was an entrant. And I marked the heck out for that because that's like super random, but I thought it was pretty cool. No, that's that's really cool. Yeah. And then I'd also say that Josh Alexander defeating Christian for the Impact Championship was a markout moment, but then Moose called his shot and won the title like right after that and I'm just I'm not a fan of that. I'm also not a fan of Mickey James defeating Deanna Perazzo for the women's championship either, but hardcore country Mickey James. Yeah. Like I, I don't mind that Mickey James is champion. I just like should she have beaten Deanna Perazzo for it? I don't think so. Yeah. After the reign that Perazzo's been having, she's already she's the Reina de Reinas champion for AAA. And same thing with Moose. I just I don't need him as the world champion. But I can't watch Impact anyway, so do I have the right to complain? I don't think so. Probably not. I'm also going to share a mark out moment that my friend Mike, who guest hosted years ago, sent me. He told me he was playing NHL 22. And in the career mode, you start up in Canada before being drafted to the NHL. And he chose to play for the Calgary Hitman because Brett Hart, but he didn't realize that Brett was a founding owner of the team. That's funny. When he picked it, he just like thought it was cool because of because the Hitman. And because I think he he knew Brett had some involvement of it, but he did he wasn't sure if like Brett came first or if the Hitman came after. Or I mean, or if Brett came after. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like if, I don't know, whatever. So I thought it was cool that uh, he picked the hitman, but that is a mark out moment of the week. Take us home. 
Surely, let me take you home. It is the Halloween episode of Markin' Out, so don't go doing anything spooky and scary this weekend. Keep it cool and classy and listen to Markin' Out over and over again. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. This is episode 560, 560, 560. See, I said it. And thank you for listening once again. Make sure you check out MarkingOut.com. Listen to us across all of the podcast outlets. Also, go buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. Give us a follow on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. And thank you for listening. We wish you the best best of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic day.